The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Put your hands together, won't you? Come on. Daniel chapter 10. Thank you, Minister Mike. We do have notes, and uh, if you don't have those, if you'd raise your hand, the ushers will assist you. I'm going to go ahead and read. I know the, the notes say from 10.2 and then 10.12 and 14, but it's too good. I have to start in verse 1 and read the whole thing. Are you ready? Daniel chapter 10 and verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Balthazar. The message is true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message, and he had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, so this is Daniel writing this, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat nor wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with the gold of Ophrah. His body was like beryl. His face was as the appearance of lightning. His eyes like torches of fire. His arms and feet like burnished bronze in color. And the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But great terror fell on them so that they fled to hide themselves. And in understanding what that means is they were so afraid of their very lives that they ran to escape death. Verse 8. Therefore I was left alone and I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty in me and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words and while I heard the sound of his words I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Verse 12. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel. From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I've been left alone there with the king, kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand 
what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you did in the first service and what you'll do now. Thank you that you've gathered people from far away. They've driven even many miles to be here, to be in church, to fellowship with your beloved saints, and to hear the word of the Lord. I'm asking God that you would give living understanding to each and every one of us that as your word is preached, as your word is proclaimed and declared on this first Sunday, 2016, that you'd release all that's in your heart and you would give us revelation. Come on, ask God to speak to you. Speak to us, oh God. Speak to us. We won't stop you. Have far-reaching effects from this service, even into eternity, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated this morning. It's not business as usual in our nation. It's not business as usual in Alaska. It's not business as usual anywhere in the world. It's not a normal year. It's an unusual year. It's a different year. It's a year where God is going to be pouring out His Spirit in incredible measure. But at the same time, it's like Abaddon has been released from the, from the pit, and there's tremendous destruction as well. It's, or Apollyon is the Greek name for that. You read that in the book of Revelation. It's an unusual time. Our nation will forever remember the abomination, the decision that was brought on June 26, 2015 where our Supreme Court judges stepped over the line and voted to make same-sex marriage law in the land. And the effects of that will be far-reaching should the Lord tarry, as they're teaching even seven- and eight-year-olds that you can choose whether you can be a boy or a girl. It's your choice. That's true, what I just said. That's being pushed down all of the public public education throughout the land, and uh, not so much in Alaska right now, but there's incredible things happening in our country. The first seizures of handguns and weapons is taking place on Monday, I believe it is, in California. There's incredible things going on. Now, let me just tell you how it is here in Alaska, at Casey, Alaska. I, I don't really shy back from saying what I feel to be the truth from God's Word, and I'll stand before Him for it. We don't really do sort of a, you know, just a little rah-rah message. Pretty intense here this morning, because it's an intense hour. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Our cities are like wastelands. Filled with racial tension. Filled with violence. And there are those who would shut their gates and, and lock their houses and not think about it. But the truth is, we need a great revival in America. We need a great awakening in our country. We need a great awakening from the White House to every house. We need God to shake this land. And He's going to shake it. He's going to shake what can be shaken so that what remains is of Him. And He's moving in this house. He's moving not only here, but He's moving in the body of Christ. And this is the hour and the time of the season every year for decade after decade that we fast and pray. And so I want to bring to you a message about how to have a breakthrough. You can change your life. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you can change your life. 
Come on, you can change your life in the same way that Daniel, the mighty prophet in the Old Testament, was used to change history. The book of Daniel is one of the most significant books in all of Scripture and is pertinent for today. Marries and goes along with the book of Revelation. And what Daniel did in the natural, the way that he fasted, the way that he prayed, the revelation he received, received and how he was faithful to the Lord to write it and to live for God. We have it now because of that. And the way that he lived changed history. The way that you lived, the way that you live can change history. Let's give an overview. And this message is primarily to encourage you to not only have a breakthrough individually and for your family, but to have a breakthrough in the spiritual realm in our valley and in the state and in our nation. And and it's to encourage you to fast and pray. So let me just give you an, an, an overview, as I do every year, an overview of fasting. We always pray Fasting and praying 21 days in January. That's what we do here. We've done it. I've done it ever since I got saved and was a part of the church. We've done it for decades and decades and even generations. Part of our church every year, 21-day fast we do. And the 21 days is found in a number of different places, but especially here. This is the most significant passage that that I can find in the Old Testament, and maybe there's others. But for you this morning, Daniel chapter 10. He fasts and prays three full weeks, 21 days, and it changes history. Over this next 21 days, starting tonight at midnight for 21 days, I'm going to encourage you and call you to a corporate fast. You say, well, I'm not ready. Well, get ready. (laughs) You know the funny thing about fasting? It's not really funny. I don't know why we we should call it slowing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You abstain from food, and you're just kind of like... Fasting puts your heart in front of the burning bush of God's presence to be warmed and illuminated. Fasting, there's nothing like fasting for for believers. For unbelievers, it's good for you physically. I mean, well, for believers, it's good for you physically too. It gives your gives your body a break and cleanses toxins and stuff like that. But we're not just talking about that. That's that's bonus. But fasting and prayer brings you before the Lord in a way that folds down your senses and really helps you. So in the Old Testament, let's look. And basically fasting is restricting from food or drink to seek the Lord. And so in the Old Testament, it was a sign of mourning. Write it in your notes. Repentance. And it's always an aspect of prayer. Fasting is always with prayer. And the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament is called the fast. In fact, The Apostle Paul calls the Day of Atonement the fast. Another name for the Day of Atonement, that one day that the high priest went into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle blood for his sins and the sins of of God's people. And of course, that doesn't happen anymore because Jesus sprinkled his blood in the holy place of heaven. So we don't have to have sacrifices in that way. As sin entered through the world through one man, it left through the, the last Adam. His name is Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah. But the fast, in the book of Acts, he calls the fast is the day of atonement. National emergencies, they would fast and pray. In fact, uh, our, our nation would fast and pray in a bygone generation when we had national emergencies. Throughout all of our nation's history, you will find presidents calling, presidents would call times of fasting and prayer in the name of the Lord. Our presidents did it. 
You know, it's how we move forward and got things all twisted. But I believe that God's going to straighten things out. He's going to bring streams in the desert. Come on, something God's doing something new. And so they would fast and pray at national emergencies. And at the, at the fall of the temple, they, 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 they fasted and they prayed. In the New Testament, in the book, of, uh, the book of Acts, in Acts 27, the apostle Paul is on a ship called Andromeda. Has anybody ever been to sea? I don't mean like on a, on a lake. I'm talking like in the ocean with 20, 30, 40 foot swells maybe. Ever been, you've ever been out at sea? That's a different wave than a lake produces. And I was uh, studying this in Acts 27. It, the, I was reading a commentary that says that in Acts 27 that they fasted and prayed for God's intervention. Now, Acts 27 is a story of the Apostle Paul on a, bo- on a boat called Andromeda, and he warned them, said, We're not, we should not take the boat. Don't do it. We're going to get whooped. And a nor'easter whoops up on them, and the boat is going get, to get destroyed, and it does. And the commentators say, and they were fasting and praying for God's intervention. But if you look at the text, it says, and they were not eating. Is it, where's the guys that were at food? Out at food. Jesus, help me. Where's the guys who were in the ocean, out at sea? You ever been in the storm? You're out at sea? You don't eat. Because you chuck up. You know what I'm talking about? The technicolor yawn. You get sick if you're out at sea and you're eating. So I just think it's funny in Acts 27, a commentator said, and they were fast. Yeah, of course they're fasting. They're in a storm. Nobody's eating in a storm. Okay, am I the only one that thought that's funny? I just think it's funny. Commentators, yes, they were fasting. It was a forced fast. And they prayed for God's intervention and God brought it. But it was a form of worship. Turn to uh, Acts chapter 2. Let me show this to you. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared, divided them to them, tongues of fire sat upon each and every one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews and devout men from every nation under heaven. And when they heard that, when they heard, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because they heard everyone speaking their, this language, their own language, their own native tongue. Verse 7. And they were amazed and marveled and said one to another, Look, all of these who speak are Galileans. How is it that each one hears in our own native language in which we're born? And it goes on to list the different places of where they're from. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice to them and said, Men of Judah, all of you who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose. Now that means that they probably looked like they were drunk. How many of you know this does not look like I'm drunk? Okay, that might look a little bit better. So something's going on, so it looks like they're drunk. But this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. And then in verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days. And he quotes Joel 2. Turn to Joel 2. Now, if you're like me, I need to look at the index sometimes to find out where that is. 
But it's in the Old Testament, Joel chapter 2. Talking about fasting. I submit to you that in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, these men and these women are fasting and praying. They're not just sitting up there having cheese crackers, cheese whiz, and praying. They're not eating. They're fasting and praying. How's that? Because that is the context in which the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts 2, and it's the context of which he preaches. That's Peter preaching, quoting Acts, quoting Joel chapter 2. Now, Joel is a very important and pertinent book, even for our hour that we're in. And in the book of Joel, there is great trouble in the land. There's an army that's coming. There's, there's famine. There's, some of you know, it's an agrarian society. They're having economic challenges. There's all kinds of spiritual problems. And what Joel 2 says he says, blow the trumpet in Zion and sound alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the mountain, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it's even at hand. And he goes on to talk about the day of the Lord, which is amazing. And then in verse 12, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. That is the word for America. That is a word for America. That's a word for our state. It's a word for your family. It's a word for my family. It's time to return to the Lord. Because there's great trouble in the land. And then in verse 21, I mean the whole thing is good. Verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward. Everybody say afterward. afterward. After what? Now ask yourself, after what? This is the text that, that Peter quotes. He's quoting this exact text. So go, you go back. Come on, you look at verse 17. And it shall come to pass. And it shall come to pass afterward. And that's the text he's quoting. The great messages in the New Testament use the Old Testament to preach from. Jesus preached from the Old Testament. They didn't have a New Testament. They were writing it. They were living it. So don't stay out of the Old Testament. Just understand. It's the basis really for the new. And so he quotes Joel 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards. So ask yourself, after what? The afterwards is after the rending of your heart, after your fasting, after your prayer. It, the, rend, the, the outpouring of the Spirit comes in response to broken, repentant lifestyle of fasting and prayer. I know of no better way to set yourself on fire than to fast and to pray. There is nothing like it. And yet in the body of Christ, there are many who have not been taught, not been discipled. And, the tr and I'm, I'm correcting myself this morning. I can't remember the last time I preached on fasting. I've sowed it into different messages. But I, I, I stand aghast as I've spoken with some in the body of Christ, even in our own state. A man who I was talking to, and he was telling me about the marriage problem he's having. And how they've gone to endless counselors and spent all kinds of money and nothing's working. And I could see a defilement that took place in, in their lives. And they were going to get divorced. He said, Pastor, what would be your wisdom to me? I said, it's simple. I just wouldn't eat anything. I'd just drink water and pray until the thing broke. 
I'd fast. It said, what's that? Now, some of you might be like, what's fasting? Fasting is one of the disciplines of being a Christian, and yet many people have not done it. I will tell you, there is no greater way to see breakthrough, to have the enemy broken, to see your life progress, to see heaven released in your life than to fast and pray. I think my mom's here. She's the one that taught me about fasting and praying first. And if it wasn't for my mom's... wasn't for my mother's fasting and prayer, I simply wouldn't be here. Countless 21-day fasts, 40-day fasts, week after week, month after month contending. I'll never forget when God restored my life, when God restored me. When God restored me, I came and I was reunited with my mother and we were crying because it was a major restoration. I'm talking like snatched from the clutches of hell. Should have been dead. And when I told my mother, weeping, crying, I'd get myself together. And mom, you might not remember this, but I do. And I said, oh, mom, I, I almost died. And she says to me, yes, I know, son, three times. Well, I never told her about that. Guess how many times I almost died? I mean, for real, for real, angelic intervention. Three times. Because my mother back in her prayer room, fasting and prayer, fasting and praying, weeping and mourning, crying out for her youngest son to be delivered. I'm telling you that there is no weapon that's formed against you, that there's not one thing that you're facing in your life that God can't break you through. It's, if it's financial, he can bring it. If it's emotional, he can bring it. If it's a lost person, a kid that's on drugs, a family that's being destroyed, a marriage that's on the rocks, it all can be turned around. But many people are not willing to take personal responsibility. They want God just to come and do it. He already did it. Now it's up to you to apply it. It's up to you to appropriate the grace of God. You see, we think in terms, I'm off my notes, but we think in terms of the sovereignty of God. Oh, God's good. God is good. And Lord, you can come and just do it. Lord, you know where he is. You can do it if you want to. But we forget the fact that he's given us his name. He's given us his word. We forget the fact that when we pray, if two of you agree, touching anything in the earth, it shall be done. That means if two or three don't come agreeing, then whatever you are going to agree for doesn't happen. And prayer is key. And fasting is like lighting a fuse that will blow up the dynamite that, that'll, that has the gate that's closed before you. In Acts chapter 2, I'm trying. In Acts chapter 2, he's quoting Joel 2. And afterwards, after what? After you fast, after you pray, after you mourn, after you weep, after you rend your heart, then's going to come the outpouring. I mean, your vats will overflow with new wine and on and on and on. Talks about all kinds of provision and the enemy will be driven far from you and the provision of God is released. That is what Peter quotes on Acts, on Acts chapter 2. And the context is fasting and prayer. And I promise you, I believe they're fasting and praying in that upper room as they waited. They thought they were going to be the next ones that were crucified. Yet many people in the body of Christ do not fast, do not pray, because they're simply feeding their flesh so much and not used to crucifying it. Well, praise the Lord. Kind of like people crying out to be set free from drug addiction. Hello. 
Put yourself on a program and remove yourself from everything. If you can't do it on your own, then go get some help. I've, I've, I've known people that actually chained themselves to a radiator. You know those old school radiators? Because they, they knew they were going to go do drugs. They just couldn't stand it. So they went and they took, got a pair of handcuffs, handcuffed themselves to the radiator, and threw the key far enough from them they couldn't get to it and left a bottle of water and said, hey, come get me in three days. I'm not, I'm not. You know, what are you going to do? Chew your arm off? Drug addicts like pleasure too much. They're not going to do that. There are some that are into self-destruction, but I'm telling you it's a spirit and God can set you free. All right, Acts 13, let's get happier here. In Acts 13, they're, they're, they're worshiping the Lord. They're worshiping the Lord with fasting. Wow. Did you know it's an act of worship? It's a form of worship. Now let's look at the text here. Look at Roman numeral three. Daniel fasted and prayed 21 days. How many days? 21 days. And he broke through the spiritual realm. If you look at that text, it says that your words were heard from the first day. When were your words heard? The first day. I've come in response to your words. So from the first day, he set his heart to, to seek the Lord. God sent an angel. Now, how many of you know God uses angels? Okay, you're not supposed to worship him, and you don't pray to them, and you really even can't call on them. Did you know that? Because you can't find one place. It's, it's, it bothers me that I hear some people say, I command your angels. Dude, you can't command any angel. That's not your job. However, they are commanded by the word of the Lord. So when you call on God, worship him, call on him to help you, he'll send you an angel. Is that how that, but you, you can't command angels. You know, I don't see that in scripture. I'm not sure in the age to come how that's all going to work. How many of you know we're not playing a harp in the millennial reign? That's not what you're doing. You're ruling and reigning with him. And we, we, we're, we're going to bring judgment and stuff like that. We're going to sit in judgment. And, you know, I mean, you have a tremendous job in the millennial reign. This is just an internship. This is a test. This is a test. It's training. Anyway, Daniel prays, and God sends an angel. Our heavenly Father sends an angel with the answer to his prayer. And the angel comes. I mean, it's eyes of flaming fire, a face like the countenance of lightning. What, what is that? Everybody runs for their lives except Daniel. He's trembling on the ground. The angel touches him and talks to him and says, and he gives us a key. And he says, from the first day that you set your face in repentance and humility before me, before God, your words were heard. I've come in response to your words. Why did the angel come? Because he prayed and fasted. And the angel comes and said, I've been here sooner, but I got all jacked up by the prince of Persia. So I was on my way, and Prince of Persia showed up. And if it wasn't for Michael, and he's not talking about, you know, Mikey. He's talking about the archangel Michael. If it wasn't for Michael to come to help me, I probably would have still been hindered. But, you know, we beat him down, and here we are. The Prince of Persia is a demonic entity. He said, how do you know that? Because one angel in Hezekiah's day wiped out 185,000 dudes. Just one, not a band, not an army of angels, one. Lord, send a band. You just need one would be good. One angel, one angel shows up, wipes out 180,000 men in Hezekiah's day. One, you know what else one angel does? Takes a chain and wraps it around that ugly 
the ugly one, the, the Satan, takes a chain, wraps it around him, and th- just one angel, not a band of angels, just one, one big, strong angel, wraps it around Satan, throws him in the lake of fire. Satan's created. He's going to be uncreated one day. He's a tool. He's a minister. His time is short, and his wrath is great. So Daniel prays, and the angel comes, this, this countenance like lightened, eyes of fire, arms and feet like burnished bronze, responds because Daniel fasted and prayed. That's amazing. You know, there's territorial spirits. It's interesting that it says the, the prince of Persia, the kings of Persia. It's not talking about a, a, a man. It's talking about a demonic entity. And there are powers and principalities. Ephesians talks about that. In fact, do you know, remember when Jesus crosses over to the other side and a demoniac is there? One of the gospel writers says there's two. Another records there one man who comes screaming and says, Jesus, you know, son of God, don't torment us before our time. That's right. They know they're going to be tormented. And, and pleads with them, don't send us out of the region. It's interesting. Don't send us out of the region. There are demonic powers over Washington. There are demonic powers over our state. And I will tell you what Daniel did in the natural caused breakthrough in the spirit realm. What you do in the natural can bring breakthrough in the spirit realm. Come on, someone look at your neighbor and say, you can have a breakthrough. Like I said, we're so used to the sovereignty of God, which is made, and God is sovereign. But, it, but he gives us keys through the word. And if you dismiss your responsibility, then you just won't see the breakthrough like you could have had it if you cried out. It doesn't mean you're going to miss heaven. It just might means you miss it here on earth a little bit or people go to hell or, or there's destruction that didn't need to happen or a country is laid waste because of people who were called by my name. They'd fast and pray and turn from their wicked ways and I will come and heal their land. And you could say, well, God, don't you love America? He loves America. He's looking for the body of Christ to stand up. He's looking for people to begin to pray. There's got to come a militancy in your heart. I'm not feeling very, very chill this morning. Anybody getting anything? You know, I am too. America can have a turnaround. Come on, look at your notes. Spiritual warfare, Prince of Persia is a demonic entity. And there are demon powers that try to block the purposes of God. And in, in that hour, that's what was happening. The same is true uh, in the New Testament. Satan tries to hinder the plans of God. Write it in your notes. Satan tries to hinder the plans of God. Let me give you a scripture. Let's go ahead and put it up. First Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18. Put that up on the screen. Read this and let it shock you. Paul is on his missionary journey, 1 Thess 2.18. He's on a missionary journey, and he's longing to go to Thessalonica. And it says here in the text, you got it? Nope. 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Therefore, I wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. Everybody say, Satan hindered us. Yeah, so if Satan could hinder the Apostle Paul, I would say, it's fair to conclude this morning, Paul being pretty anointed, writing three quarters of the New Testament, if, if Paul could be hindered, 
I bet Bubba can be hindered. What do you think? I think you could be hindered too. I know that I could be. And I know the church could be hindered. Oh, but if God be for us, who can be against us? And nothing shall separate us from the love of God. No angels, nor demons, nor Satan himself. Nothing can separate us. We're carved in the very palm of his hand. But when it comes to moving forward in the kingdom, you've got to understand that the enemy does not want you to break through. And there are keys of breaking through. With these, the, we, the weapons that we have are divine. They're, they're, they're not of this world. They're not carnal, but they're mighty. They're mighty through God. They're pulling down of strongholds. And we take every thought captive and begins to talk there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 6, begins to talk about how the strongholds are in people's minds. I mean, we should probably just preach another message on that. But for this morning's sake, understand that there are national level strongholds. Isaiah talks about that too. And there are strongholds over your family. There are curses that want to stay. They want to alight upon you. They want to keep you hindered. They want to keep you broken. They want to keep divorce going from generation to generation. They want to see your kids pornified. There's a whole pornification of our whole culture through smartphones. Come on, through these things. You know, I said it on, I said it on New Year's night. If you're a parent, you don't know what's on your kid's phone. I rebuke you right now. Wake up out of your stupor and start knowing what's on their phone. And if you ask your kid for their phone and they say, no, I would snatch that thing so fast their head would spin and Jesus can come back before they get it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Or do you want to be the one that's handing them, the, you want to be the one that lets them be pornified and demonized and, and have all of these images? Young men who fill their heads with images so when they are finally together with their wife, all they can see is the images that they saw from the time they were 12, 13, 14, 15, branded, tattooed on their minds. I'm going to tell you, that's what happens for a man, ladies. That's what happens. It just stains a man's mind. It's evil. Jack, I'm preaching in here this morning. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, Woo, good to be at KC. Thank you, Jesus. Ah, come on, God. Well, it makes me mad. Ignorance is not bliss. Well, I don't really like correcting my... Well, you can have a prison ministry later on if you want to. If they survive. So the enemy can hinder... If the enemy can hinder the Apostle Paul, he can certainly hinder us. The enemy tried to hinder the revelation that Daniel was seeking. And again, I said that this book of, the book of Daniel is pertinent and, and one of the most powerful books for the day that we're living in right now. And so Daniel didn't understand it, so he sought the Lord, and the Lord sent an answer, but the answer was hindered. Can you imagine if Daniel quit on day 15? No, he didn't. He followed through. The archangel Michael showed up. And he changed history, changed what he did in the natural, changed the spiritual realm. What Daniel did in the physical realm, right there, look at your notes. What Daniel did in the physical realm affected the spiritual realm, or the heavenlies, and he changed the course of history. We've got a promise from God, it's an invitation to lay hold and seek fulfillment. The promises of God are the basis by which we pray. Say it. The promises of God are the basis by which we pray. And the one man of God said there's over 7,500 promises. I haven't gone and counted them all. I have been challenged by the Lord to memorize them. And if you know what the prom, if you know what God's word is and you can stand on that thing and you can beat back the forces of darkness and see a breakthrough. Peter could stand on the word on the water because Jesus said come. The word of the Lord was come, Peter got out, miracle. 
water walker. I believe God's raising up water walking people. Listen, promises of God are not, they're not, they're for you to take and, and claim and declare and, and live them out. But they're conditional. Come on, if you have a if you have a Maserati in your garage right now, somebody's like, hey, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you have a Maserati in your car in your garage right now. Now, if you grab the key fob, you go outside and you push the button, right? Put the garage door up, back that bad boy out. What a ride. Well, can you imagine if you have a Maserati in your car in your garage and you never start it and you never take it out of the house and take it out of the garage? That is exactly what many believers are like. They've got a promise from God, but they never go out and use it. They never get in it and they never get in, declare it, proclaim it. Some of you need to get God's word so deep down in the city of your soul that you begin to speak it, so that you begin to think it. And when the enemy comes and says, You can't do that, you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he says, Who do you think you are? I'm a man of God, and I've got authority over you. You can't do it. Yes, I can. I can. Ah, I can do it. I'm more than a conqueror. You begin to think. Learn, listen, learn to be a spiritual athlete. Take back the territory that the enemy's stolen from you and your family. Rise up in a God-given, blood-bought right and begin to bring, execute judgment on demonic powers off of this region, off of your family, off of our nation. Rise up in Jesus' name. Take authority. Take authority. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, raise your right hand and shake it like you're a Pentecostal. Go ahead. Hey! <laughs> okay, all right. Now, God can do the same thing over these next 21 days. It'll affect your life. What you do in the next 21 days, you fast and prayer, you give yourself to. You say, well, I'm not able to because, okay. But set, some, set aside some time on a regular basis to fast and pray. And we are calling a corporate fast, all of KC, worldwide over the next 21 days, starting on January 4th, starting tonight at midnight. And buddy, I'm going to eat some lunch. Come on, Jesus. (laughs) Yes. Well, even the apostle Paul said, I buffet my body daily. Didn't he say that? Buffet. All right. Turn to Isaiah chapter 58. I'm almost done. Sort of. Praise God from Isaiah 58. Woo! You ready? Okay, watch this. Isaiah 58, verse 3. Now, this is like the people talking to God. Because they were fasting, they'd fast and pray and have no miracles, have no breakthrough. And so here's what they say. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And here's what the Lord says. In fact, in other words, we fasted, God, and you didn't do anything. The Lord's like, yeah, right. Because... In the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all of your labors. Indeed, you fast, but you're filled with strife and debate. Ooh, some of you, ooh, ooh. I think I just got convicted. 
are we? Jesus, help me. And strike with the fist of wickedness to make your voice a heard on high. Is this the fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call that a fast, an acceptable day of the Lord? And then he tells us what a real fast is. Verse verse 6. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? And then he tells us what a fast will do. To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To let the oppressed go free. And that you break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring into your house to pour and the cast out. When you see the naked, you cover him. And it goes on to talk about what real fasting is. There's true fasting and false fasting. Everybody say it. There's true fasting and false fasting. Oh, and it's to break off yokes. And I got caught up in some religious pride about all of this. What kind of fast are you doing? I'm doing liquid. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just doing a partial fast. Oh, well, one day uh, you can be spiritual like me. I didn't do all the poses, but in my heart there was some pride. Listen, that's false fasting. But you might as well just eat. Don't get caught up in a show of religious fervor. Religious leaders and people in Jesus' day did the same thing, and he, he railed on them. He called them whitewashed tombs. Preacher Jesus, you're filled with dead man's bones. Love how you say you over land and sea to make a convert and make him twice the son of hell that you are. Those are the words of Jesus. You think I preach hard. He really brought it. To break, to have, we can change to have yokes broken off. A yoke is a farming implement and to use to hook up beasts of burden to, to pull plowing equipment. But the enemy wants to put a yoke around your neck, wants to make you a slave. And I've found that I've had yokes that I didn't even know I had. I've had things going on with me that I didn't even know were a bondage until I fasted and prayed, and the Lord's like, son, check that out. You're like, oh, no. I didn't even know I had that. It's like the guy who stands in the mirror, looks at himself, and he's like, well, I'm not really all that fat. And you're like, oh. Then you turn sideways. <laughs> and you realize you're really pretty huge. Deception. And when you fast and pray, God can break off yokes and reveal things to you that you didn't even know. Lord wants to set you free from things you don't even know about. Anger, frustration, attitudes. Hallelujah. True fasting is not only having a breakthrough in the heavenlies, but it's a breakthrough in your personal life. You can have poverty broken off. Listen, we suffered with a poverty spirit for years. Don't suffer with it anymore. It got broken off. And for me, I think because of my own stubbornness and not really attacking it, it lasted for way longer than the Lord wanted it to. See, some of you have things going on, but you refuse to take the word to slay that thing. And so you allow for that way of thinking to continue in your life, and you wonder, oh, why is somebody else so blessed, and I'm just, like, broke all the time? Am I preaching? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) The same goes for lust. The same goes with anger. And people dismiss it and say, well, my father was angry, so I've just got an angry thing. 
Or, or I, you know, that's just the way it is in my family. No, it isn't. That's called bondage. If it doesn't line up with the word, then it's not. And you've got you've to execute the thing. You've got to take out the sword of the spirit and cut its head off. If you want to walk in victory, if you want to be busted and disgusted all your life, that's up to you. It's up to you. If you want to be broke and beat down with no victory and year after year worshiping the king of strings, I mean, if that's really what you want. No, don't you want to be free? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. You will know the truth and the truth will. The problem is, is that many believers don't apply the truth and remain bound. And so you'll know the truth. You'll know it. No, no. That's an intimate word in Scripture. You will know the truth. That's not only like you understand it intellectually, but it's deep down in your heart. It's your personal truth. It's God. God's word has become yours. You own it. It's yours. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You can't, you can't have bondage on you when you get truth in that area. But if you don't have truth in whatever area you're not operating in truth, you're bound. Hallelujah, hallelujah, yes. Okay. Oh, let's sing it again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sing it one more time and let the Lord touch you. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I pray right now that scales that have been on people's eyes spiritually would be lifted off and they would no longer be victims, but they would rise up and conquer. They'd rise up and walk in the victory that you've purchased for us at Calvary, that we would work out their salvation with fear and trembling, taking every thought captive and transforming their hearts and minds by your word to live the life and life abundantly that you purchased for us. In Jesus' name. All right, let's see if we can wrap this up. You can break off a poverty spirit by meeting needs. You operate in the opposite spirit, you'll see the breakthrough. Generosity. And it's a great paradox. You'll see paradox throughout Scripture. Give and it'll be given to you. That's a paradox. Lose your life for his sake, gain it. That's a paradox. Over and over you'll see the, the gospel is a paradox. John 12, 24, I tell you the truth, worship team, would you come? I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. How to have a breakthrough in the next 21 days? Well, first is, take time to fast and pray. Make a declaration during these next 21 days of what you're believing God to do in your life. And, and restrict yourself from food. Now, I don't want anybody going to heaven early. If you're on medication, you're seeing a doctor, talk to the doctor, see if you're able to fast. There's all kinds of fasts. You all have a card? Let me see the card. Where's the card at? You got them? Let me raise it up. There's one. I see a card. Maybe a second, you have two cards. Three, four, 
five, six. Where is it? Where you got? You got a card? All right, ushers, help me out. Just pass out a whole bunch of them again. Whole bunch of fasting and prayer cards. There is a liquid fast. There's a Daniel fast. Daniel ate no meats or sweets. He just had vegetables and water and stuff. There is an absolute fast. I would encourage you strongly not to do that. Uh, we have a friend, uh, Pastor Dotson Imakita. He said that God called him to a fast. And he said, Pastor, is it okay if I take, you know, three, four days off just to fast and pray? I said, sure. So he was, our, he was a janitor and he had a small group, basically. A small congregation, about 10 Marshallese, maybe 20. Uh, there on the island of Kauai. He took three to four days to fast and pray. I couldn't get a hold of him, so I finally went to the place where he was fasting and praying. And, uh, you know, I got him. He came off of the floor, and he didn't look good. I said, are you all right? He said, uh-huh, uh-huh, I'm fasting. I said, oh, what kind of fast? He says, everything. I said, what do you mean? I said, you drink, surely you're drinking water. No. I said, dude, your fast is now over four days. It's time, to, it's time to drink some water. How many of you know you can't go really much longer than that? You go to heaven early, so I don't want anybody going early. By the way, by the way, he really received an apostolic anointing, and I believe it was during that time that that happened. That guy, that guy has been raised up in Marshallese. Somebody don't even know what Marshallese is. It's in Micronesia. It's a small little group of islands, and uh, the people are all over the place. They're all over the world. And he's planted 20 churches in the United States. Just him and his people over the past, I don't know, two years? Something like that. Is that right, Pastor Vince? Two, three years, he's planted 20 churches. I mean, he's one of the foremost church planters. I mean, he's putting it out. Amazing. I believe he got that anointing when he fasted and prayed. Who knows what God will do through you? So spend some time fasting and praying. Well, B is pray. Set aside time to pray. C, get an agreement. Everybody say, get an agreement. Get an agreement with the church. We're going to be putting out a letter. Get an agreement with your family. Get an agreement. What are you praying for? What are you believing for? Two of you agree, right? Get an agreement. And the last thing is give. All right, spend time right now filling that out. If you want to partner with us, the reason we're doing that Um, there's two different cards that are going out. We're aware of that. Use whichever one you like. All right? Fast and pray for 21 days. You say, well, I'm just going to do a meal a day. Awesome. You're like, well, I'm going to fast negativity, but I'm going to eat. I think that's probably good. That's the one you should never, the f- fasting negativity is the fasting you should never come off of. Spend time fasting and praying. All right, now we've got all kinds of corporate times for prayer. We've got 24-hour prayer on Friday, starting this Friday. And at 6 a.m. it starts, and it goes all the way through. Actually, it's more than 24 hours. It goes all the way through about 9 o'clock on Saturday. And so we'll pray at the barn. That's across from Walmart, up from Sears, on the service road, past the Ford dealership, past the new Dodge dealership, come to the end of that cul-de-sac. That's our property. And we'll be praying in that barn all 24 hours. We encourage you to be a part of that. Fill this thing in so we can send you a letter of what we're praying for in the church, believing for a property, believing for leaders to be raised up, lots and lots of things. And of course, worldwide, we're believing for a number of things. Would you take a moment to fill those out right now? Go ahead. While you're doing that, ushers, would you come? We're going to go ahead and receive communion, please. Going a little bit late. I've been impacted by the word this morning. Come on, if God touched you, say amen. 
Don't miss tonight. Revival continues tonight. Some of you need to hear this while the the ushers are coming up to, to pass out the communion elements. Come on, fellas. Clock's ticking. Appreciate you. Would you all stand up on your feet, please? Now, there's going to be some buckets at the door when we dismiss here in just a moment after we receive communion. And if you drop those cards in there, then we'll send you the letter and you can be on the the email deal and find out all the things that we're agreeing for. Oh, I was going to say something. Some of you don't realize kind of how it works around here. We follow a pattern that the Lord gave me in our church uh, here in Alaska. On Sunday mornings, I'm very, uh, I bring pastoral words and I cast vision. Um, Sunday night and Wednesday night, it's more of a revival dynamic. Flow in the Holy Ghost, prophesy, lay hands. Um, We're doing a series on Wednesday called Holy Ghost Come. What a great series it's been. It's just been awesome. And uh, some of you, some of you are just able to come Sunday morning. Great. Keep coming. Um, but if you have a chance and you, you want to really get touched, you know, you come Sunday night. Come check it out. Sunday night, 6 o'clock, every Sunday night. Wednesdays at 7. Oh, and uh, we've grown so much on Wednesdays that we had to move our youth. Main service is now on Friday so we can make room for all the kids. Hallelujah. How many think that's a good thing? Amen. Book of Corinthians, while we're being served. First Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as soon as everyone is served, we'll do this all together. So hang on. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat and drink this cup, and pro- you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And the apostle says, Therefore, verse 27, Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But uh, let each man examine himself, so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you and have fallen asleep, which means death. So we're, I probably should have read it before we handed you the, the communion. But right now, you need to examine yourself. So how are you doing? If you're living a life that's contrary to God's Word, stop it and repent. Or put the juice back on the tray. Because it's dangerous. This is not some little cute thing that we do that they've done. Well, it's just tradition. We just little, you know, a little cracker. No, 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 no. No, this is a big deal. This is, this is a big deal. 
We're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. Of course, his death and his resurrection, his healing, all the promises. So when you take communion right now, it's a big deal. And so you say, well, you're kind of scaring me. Good. Awesome. Examine your heart. How are you doing? Are you living for God? Come on, just talk to him right now. Lord, forgive us. Lord, come on, tell, ask the Lord to forgive you for where you've blown it, fallen short. Come on, ask God to forgive you right out loud. Lord, forgive me. Wrong thoughts, motives, attitudes, as the word says. Where we didn't heed your voice. Lord, forgive us. Wash us, cleanse us now. We receive your forgiveness. We receive your healing. We proclaim your death and your resurrection, God. And we proclaim your soon return. You're awesome, God bless you and we praise you. We thank you that the enemy is underneath our feet. That we're a covenant people, protected and blessed. We thank you and we praise you. We receive your forgiveness, your washing, your cleansing, and your healing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink. Hallelujah. Thank you for being patient. Going a little bit long this morning, this afternoon now. Live for Jesus. Be a part of this time of fasting and prayer corporately. It's easier now than it ever is. It's like a a special grace will be upon us to do it. Let me bless you. We'll close. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for what you've done. Lord, your goodness towards us. We're so grateful. We're thankful. We ask now, Lord, for your blessing to come upon your people. Lord, that you would bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, O God. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. And give us a special grace to fast and pray, to see a breakthrough in our own individual lives, Lord, in our community, in the heavenlies, in our nation. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll hope to see you tonight. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.